0: Hey guys, Anna Victoria here, and I'm so excited for you to join me on my podcast, Your Best Life. I'm the CEO and founder of the Fitbody app, a fitness influencer, and a personal trainer. Every week, I'm going to have a special guest that will share their unique experience and unique story to share how they learned how to live their best life, even if they're still working on it, since we are all a work in progress. I can't wait to help you learn how to create your best life. Hey guys, welcome back to your best life. I'm Anna Victoria. And today I got to talk to Jordan Syatt, who is a strength training and nutritional consultant who founded Syatt Fitness. He holds several powerlifting world records, and he is also a writer with a massive social media following, and he helps people achieve their fitness goals with his no frills positive message. And I have, of course, my lovely husband, Luca, with me. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> so, um, Jordan Syatt, he's one of our friends, one of our buddies. We met a few years ago um, in LA, right?
1: Yeah, we met in LA. Well, I and... met him
0: because he's Gary Vee's trainer. That's and right. And That's I right. followed him, and I saw that his content was so amazing and, like, really not just spoke to me, but it was, like, No BS, but in the most loving way possible. And I love that when someone is, you know, giving it to people like the truth and not sugarcoating it. But his content is just so amazing. I mean, he is a great person and he really, really cares about helping people. And like I said, like giving it to them straight. And, you know, because ultimately like education is like the biggest piece in your fitness industry. Like you can do all the exercises in the world if you want, but if you don't know why you're doing them or how they're going to help you get to that next goal, then, you know, that's not time well spent. We
1: worked out with him a couple of times too.
0: Yeah. So he, I think, showed me how to do a low bar squat.
1: And I think he showed me a single leg deadlift. Uh And it was more like for Balancing, and yes. a balancing exercise and I almost fell on my face. Yes, sure. but
0: that's like a day in the life for Luca. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't like balancing exercise. <laughs> you know that. Yeah, which
0: is why you need to do them. True, yeah. very true, yeah. Here's my conversation with Jordan Sayet. Hi Jordan, thanks so much for coming on. I'm so excited to chat.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. This is great.
0: Of course. Absolutely. So we can just jump right into it. And if you want to share a bit about like your story and like, when did you decide to become a fitness coach and a bit about uh, your approach?
2: Yeah. So I, I got into fitness at a very young age. So I started, I, I got into it because of wrestling. I was wrestling from when I was about eight years old. And, um, by the time I got to high school wrestling was just like, it was my life. It's all I cared about. I was super passionate about it. And I ended up beating a junior out for the varsity spot, but I had to cut a lot of weight. So I was cutting from about 112 pounds to 103 pounds every week just for competition. And, technically i was a good wrestler endurance wise i was a good wrestler but strength wise going up against juniors and seniors i was not where i needed to be so i wanted to learn how can i get stronger while losing weight in order to compete at a high level so what i did was actually ended up intern I i applied to intern at a gym near me and uh they said no they were like we don't want a high school kid walking around with our clients So I was devastated. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. And I remember I I walked back home from that and I told my mom and and I was just so upset. And she was like, well, what are you going to do now? And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, you apply to another one. You don't just sit here and sulk. And uh, so I applied to another gym and it turned out to be a blessing because the gym that I ended up getting an internship at was very science based. And they took me under their wing and they were super encouraging and supportive. And I was 14 years old. So I did that all through high school. And my first client was a 68-year-old guy named Fred. who oh. <laughs> His his only goal was to be able to pick up his grandson without hurting his shoulders. Yeah. So uh, it was a, at a really young age, I got into high-level science-based coaching. And I also started to learn that not all of fitness is focused on how you look. There are many aspects of fitness in terms of how you feel, how you perform, making sure that you're healthy overall. So I was very fortunate from a young age, and that's really how it all started.
0: I was just going to say you were so lucky to discover that so early on because a lot of times it takes people years to go through this journey and unfortunately, be chasing the messaging that society puts out there instead of what it really should be about, which it's, you know, so much more than what you look like.
2: A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm very, very blessed. I'm blessed to have that situation, to have my mother who I'll never forget how I I came home and I was devastated. and, And her first response was just like, well, now what? Yeah. There was no no time or comforting. It was just like, all right, like keep going, <laughs> apply now. Like, what, what are you gonna do? Just sit here and complain? Yeah, so uh, yeah, I the whole love situation it. was very lucky.
0: And so how at what point did you get into powerlifting?
2: So I got into powerlifting while I was doing that. So the gym that I was at, there were t- I had two mentors there. I had one mentor named Kevin McCarthy and another one named Stacey Shadler, both of whom I'm still very friendly with. And um, Kevin loved powerlifting. He was a big powerlifter and uh, I started to get in a powerlifting from him. And so I started doing that in high school, just playing with the barbell and I, I started to love deadlifts. Deadlifts were really what like, it was like my whole passion, I loved them. And, um, and then by the time I graduated high school, I ended up taking a year off. I spent the year in Israel, volunteered with Holocaust survivors and it was amazing. It was, it was an incredible year. And then when I came back and I went to college, then I started the powerlifting team at my college with several other kids. And then I went full force into it. And so I started to make a name for myself as a lighter weight lifter who is doing like lifting relatively heavy weight for my weight class. Yeah. And so I got the opportunity to train at a gym called Westside Barbell under Louis Simmons. And then I got the opportunity to train at uh, Cressy Performance, which is uh, another really high level gym. So at, at 2021, 20, 22, I started to have these internships at high, high level gyms while I was powerlifting, and, uh And that sort of really took off my career especially i deadlifted four times my body weight and that's really what like oh my the, that's really what set me apart from everybody else is yeah. um very few people have ever done that and so it, it also happened at a time when powerlifting started to get more and more mainstream and a lot more women wanted to do it which was amazing but at the same time while women wanted to do it they also didn't wow. really want to get very big so women, they, they were like, I want to get strong, but I don't want to get huge. And then they saw me, this really short, small dude who's like, well, he's lifting a lot of weight and he's not really that big or bulky. So I'm going to ask him for help. And that's really how I started to build my career.
0: Amazing. I did not know that. <laughs> and so how how did Gary V come into the mix? So for those of you that, for those that don't know, you um are or were Gary V's personal trainer seven yeah. days a week. Um, I know you're kind of on an on off schedule with him right now. So how did that happen and where are you at with it right now?
2: So, um, in 2011, I created my website. So I was training at Westside barbell and, uh, one of my buddies was like, where are you right now? And I was like, I'm training at Westside, which is basically, it's literally the strongest gym in the world. And just like as sort of a, to paint a clearer picture, their weakest guy squats, 800 pounds. So like, that's like their chump oh in the my gym. Gosh. So I was training at Westside and, uh, my buddy was like, where are you? And I was like, I'm at Westside barbell training and he couldn't believe it. Cause they didn't have internships before that. And, uh, he was like, you need to make a website and write about this. And I was like, okay, well I'm 20, 21 years old. I don't know how to do that. So he literally made a website for me. He made site My only, my website to this day. And he just sent me the information. He was like, cool now. write." And I was like, what do I write? And he was like, doesn't, doesn't matter just help people just like make good content. And I was like, okay. So I just started doing that. Instagram didn't exist yet. Like there was no like online coaching really. Um, so I was just writing based on what I was learning and trying to help people with in 2012, a guy who I now know, but at the time I didn't know, I didn't know his name. I didn't know who he was. If I saw him in person, I never would have knew who he was in 2012. This guy read a random article on my website. Uh, a website, an article that is to this day one of my least read, least popular articles. Oh my God. It's an article that's written basically on how to improve your posture while you're sitting at your desk at work. And like, <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> <laughs> the only person who read it was like my mom, myself, and this one guy. And uh, he left a comment on the article. He asked a question. I responded to it. I answered. It. I gave him an in depth answer. Yeah. And it turned out that that guy, who was an accountant in Chicago at that time, his name is Mike Vacanti about several years later, he became Gary Vaynerchuk's coach, and he followed me all throughout that time. So eventually, once his time frame with Gary was up, Gary asked him, who's going to coach me next? Mike, he, he's, he suggested me. Uh, and I love telling that story because it sort of goes, plays into Gary's thesis along the lines of, you never know what piece of content is going to change your life forever. And most people, when they hear that, they think, well, what piece of content is going to go viral? But that piece of content is still a very low red, not very popular article, but it still changed my life forever just because the right person happened to see it and I treated them with respect and I responded to their question. And then that person event, I mean, he was an accountant. He wasn't even a personal trainer then. And then just through crazy turn of events, he became Gary's coach.
0: Wow. That's I love the stories that like start pre Instagram, you know, because like today everyone is like trying so hard to like, like you said, like go viral, you know, and but the problem is that when people are trying to go viral, it comes across so inauthentic and obvious that it typically doesn't have that desired outcome. And if you just do what you love and help people you know, whether it goes viral or not, but it might be that one article (laughs) that changes your life. So how did becoming Gary's coach change your life? And what did your personal life look like?
2: Uh, It's changed my life in many, 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 many ways. Um, Gary's extraordinary. He's incredibly kind and generous. Um, I think probably the biggest way it changed my life. So before I started coaching Gary, I thought that I was working very hard. And, uh, I was, I was working decently hard. I had my own business. It was doing very well. But when I started working with Gary and I saw how hard he worked, it completely changed my perspective of what hard was, um, of what efficient was of the difference between busy versus actually like working. And, um, I never, I'll never forget. I remember one time I was on a flight with Gary and D rock and we landed at like two in the morning. And this is probably about three or four months after I started and Gary sort of sidled right up next to me. I'm exhausted and, and I'd worked the whole flight and he was like, let me ask you a question. How much harder do you work now versus before you started coaching me? And I was like, it's a, it's night and day. It's complete Mm -hmm. difference. And, uh, I think taking that experience and I, uh, you could look at it from both ends on one end, knowing that there's always room to work harder and, There's so much time throughout the day by which you think that you're really working hard, but you're really not, or you're, you're wasting so much time or whatever it is. There are so many opportunities to work harder, but on the other hand, also knowing I don't want Gary's life, which was also a huge lesson for me as well. I mean, Gary's flying all over the world all Mm -hmm. the time. I trained him seven days a week for three years straight. If he was in Hong Kong, I was in Hong Kong. If he was in LA, I was in LA. If he, I mean, that was the first time you and I met when we went Mm -hmm. deadlifting.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like
2: wherever he was, I was, and I it was great. It was a wonderful experience and I wouldn't change it for the world, but I also know I definitely don't want to live that life, which I think learning what you don't want is equally mm-hmm. as important as learning as knowing what you do want.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, so I want to talk about probably one of my favorite things that you've ever done, the Big Mac challenge. (laughs) Okay. So, and I think we did an Instagram live actually shortly after that went live. So first go ahead and, and tell us a bit about what that was.
2: So that was an experiment I wanted to do, which basically I wanted to eat one Big Mac every day for 30 days straight. Uh, Which
0: it's like, first, you're a personal trainer, like you are a health and fitness professional, and you're like, "All right, guys, like I'm going to eat a Big Mac every day." You you got a lot of backlash, right? I got a
2: huge amount of backlash, yeah. especially at the very beginning of it. Um, you're promoting unhealthy eating. That's so mm-hmm. terrible for you. This is poison. Blah blah blah. Um, the purpose of this challenge wasn't for me to say that Big Macs are healthy or that I want anyone to eat more Big Macs. It's like completely mm-hmm. and utterly the opposite of what I'm trying to say. The issue that I see in, in culture and in society and just with people in general in regard to nutrition is there's so much fear and guilt around food mm. to the point of people, if they have a slice of pizza at their daughter's birthday party, they feel guilty and they feel like mm. they need to starve themselves the day after and do a ton of extra workouts to make up for the damage. Or they they won't celebrate with their nephew at their graduation ceremony because they don't want to ruin all their progress. Or they won't have a damn ice cream cone with their significant other when they just want to have an ice cream cone with their significant other. It's not a big deal, but they won't do it. And it creates a lot of stress with your relationships, within yourself personally. There's a lot of guilt and anxiety around that. And I very much believe sometimes you have to do extreme things to prove a simple point. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to eat one Big Mac a day, every day. And it wasn't just a Big Mac, but I included a Big Mac into my diet every day. Uh, I had regular food. I had regular whole, nutritious, minimally processed, very fresh foods the rest of the time, but one Big Mac every single day for 30 days. And I lost seven pounds in the process. And the purpose was to show you that you can include your favorite foods no matter how unhealthy you might think they are into your diet and still make progress. And that's really all I wanted to get across. Unfortunately, it did really, really well.
0: Yeah. I mean, first of all, like you lost seven pounds eating a Big Mac every day, like eating McDonald's like that. I mean, it it makes sense because the science behind it. Right. So mm. like ide- essentially you were in a caloric deficit and, yep. you know, but you were eating Big Macs but it doesn't matter you know what exactly what you're eating it's the caloric deficit right so how did you feel at the end of that challenge <laughs> cuz this is another important part because a lot of people talk about like you know is a calorie just a calorie or is a, is calories all that matters and i think it depends on what you know perspective you're looking at it from when it comes to fat loss yes it is a numbers game. But there's also mac- micronutrients, you know, there's also just your overall well-being, your digestive system, your energy. So how did that challenge affect the other side of the
2: So story? Th- this is a really important topic to discuss and a lot of times people conflate the two. And it's really important to differentiate between fat loss and health because they're two different discussions. They're both intertwined and they are definitely involved with one another. It's, impos- it's impossible to completely separate them, but right. we have to understand, are we talking about fat loss or are we talking yeah. about your health?
0: And to be honest, sorry, like to be honest, like I, you know, I started my journey just like kind of being self-taught, you know, then I became a personal trainer. And then like the more, I actually was kind of anti-macros and calorie counting in the beginning because I was very much like about clean eating and fueling your body because I came from eating junk food every single day, you know? two, three times a day and I loved it. Obviously I felt like crap because of it. Um, but yeah, I kind of, you know, was like, okay, like I don't care about the calories. I just want to eat healthy. Um, and then kind of like, you know, going further into my studies, learning that, you know, just really about the numbers side of fat loss. And then like kind of also listening to those science-based researchers, you know, in the industry and that it's like, it's just about calories, calories in, calories out, the end. And it's like, Yes, it is. But the the unfortunate part about that message is it's not also including the, you know, the health side of it. And that like life shouldn't just be about, you know, losing weight. There's so much more that goes into not just your health, but your happiness.
2: Yeah. I mean, so in the fitness industry runs on a pendulum of extremes, right? Everything is either good or bad or right or wrong or healthy or unhealthy. Some people say calories are all that matter Mm -hmm. and they're wrong. And other people say calories don't matter at all Mm -hmm. and they're wrong. Right. Calories matter and also the other things outside of calories matter too. So when we're talking about fat loss, and this is why it's important to differentiate fat loss from health. When we're talking about fat loss, the reason that we have to talk about calories first is because if you are not in a calorie deficit, it is physiologically impossible to lose fat. That is the base of the pyramid. If you, you could be eating clean, but if you're not in a calorie deficit, you're not gonna be losing fat. You could be eating a lot of protein. You could be working out, but if you're not in a calorie deficit, you're not gonna be losing fat. So that's why for fat loss, you have to have that base of the pyramid first. But if let's say you're in a calorie deficit and you're losing fat, but all you're eating is Big Macs, you're not going to be healthy. You're going to be super hungry. You're probably not going to feel very good. Your strength is going to go down. You're probably going to lose muscle mass. So now we see, okay, cool. So you're in a calorie deficit and you're losing fat, but you're also sacrificing your health. So how do we combine the two? How do we combine fat loss and health to optimize both? Now we have to understand calorie deficit is the base of the pyramid, but we also want to make sure you're eating whole high-quality nutrient-dense foods, getting your macronutrients, getting your micronutrients in, making sure that you're fueling your body well, making sure you're getting enough sleep, making sure you're drinking enough water, making sure you're strength training, and also doing cardio. I know some people love to hate on cardio. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's so many benefits to it. So it really comes down to trying to figure out the whole picture. And what that comes down to is knowing the base of your pyramid is, is calorie deficit, but that doesn't mean eat whatever you want. That means the majority of your diet you go to the 80 20 rule the majority of your diet should be whole minimally processed nutrient dense foods and then if you have a slice of pizza or if you have a big mac or if you have some french fries don't guilt yourself or shame yourself or feel horrible about it enjoy it you're an adult you made the decision now get back on track
0: what do you say to those that have trouble getting back on track cuz i know that with a lot of my girls like i've i've always preached about balance you know but i feel like balance isn't sexy. You know, like people, they love one extreme or the other. And it's really hard to get people to be in that middle ground working towards their fitness goals, but not to the point where they're beating themselves into the ground, still allowing them, you know, themselves to enjoy something and not guilt themselves. And I feel like that's a, that's a really hard, perfect spot to be in, you know? So how do you tell your clients, Like, hey, like I'm I'm sure one way is, hey, watch my Big Mac challenge. (laughs) But aside from that, more the mental and emotional side, what do you say to them?
2: So in 2012, I made a video for one of my clients that eventually I I made as part of like a a whole course that I would send people. And I had no idea that it was going to be this impactful, but it became a repeated thing that I say all the time on social media and to my clients and everything is basically like you can't F this up. Like, you cannot screw this up. You can't mess up. I love up. that. And when I first say it, most people are like, uh, yeah, I can. <laughs> uh, you've never seen me eat alone on a weekend. Like, I can absolutely yeah. mess this up. And the reason that it's so important to internalize this is because I don't care if you go over your calories by 5,000. I don't care if you take a month or a year off of, of working out or nutrition. I don't care what happens. The only way you fail is if you quit as long as you get back on track, you're good. And the reason it's so important to remember this is because most people, and this is, this is the the standard strict Monday through Thursday, Friday night, you go out, you eat more than you'd like. Then you just say, all right, I'll get back on track on Monday. And you try and eat as much as you can over the weekend because you know, on Monday you're going to start being strict again. And that cycle repeats when you stop thinking you've failed and you start realizing you're never more than one bite away from getting back on track, then you stop justifying going off track completely for any period of time and you can get right back on track. You can enjoy yourself. You can have the foods you'd like. You can start eating in moderate moderate portions rather than binging and binging and binging. And then all of a sudden you'll start to make more progress because you're not going back and forth so much.
0: Yeah. Well, and to take it a step further, I, you're 1 million percent right. Um, what I've found is that a lot of people that do struggle with that binging cycle is there's underlying emotional trauma, you know, or issues or eating becomes a coping mechanism for them. Um, I would say that to some extent, that's kind of out of our wheelhouse as personal trainers, you know, like there's, you know, other uh, guidance that they would need. But do you, is there anything in particular that you would say to help them kind of get past that?
2: Yes, yeah, so I think you bring up a really good point. There are many different reasons why someone might binge eat. Some of them are about past trauma that have literally nothing to do with nutrition, and they're just using food as their coping mechanism. And if that's the case, I would very much encourage you to speak to a therapist, like yeah. and, and not really take my advice here. Um, if yeah. it's more food based and more of like a food issue, which is also another reason many people do it, still speak with a the therapist. Um, but also, What I found is, number one, it comes back to understanding you didn't screw up. But also, have you ever walked by a a fire alarm and just wanted to pull it just because (laughs) you know you shouldn't?
0: Yes. (laughs) Like,
2: there's something about, like, just walking by a fire alarm where you're like, all right, like I said, really just want to see what happens if I just pull this sucker. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're told that you shouldn't do something or you can't do something, you immediately want to do it. Mm -hmm. There's something about it that you're just like, all right, I really want to do this when you feel like you're doing something wrong, there's a trigger that oftentimes it makes you want to do it again and again and again. And it's difficult because like it gets harder and harder to stop once you start doing it. So one of the things that I've used that has helped a lot is instead of just telling someone not to binge, because that's really how a lot of people approach it. A lot of like hardcore people on Instagram, like just stop eating. It's like, well, yeah. if it was that easy, thanks, asshole. Like, of course, <laughs> yeah. I would stop doing it. Right. But like, what I, what I always say is, listen, if you want to binge, binge. That's totally fine. Just do me a favor. Just wait 20 minutes. If after 20 minutes you still want to binge, binge like the craziest binge. Binge like a wildebeest. Eat as much as you want. But just wait 20 minutes. And not 100% of the time, but we'll call it 75 to 80% of the time, which is significant. Oftentimes people will get to the 20 minutes and they'll be like, I don't want to anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's really because when you start to have the urge to binge, it comes on quickly and you usually satisfy it quickly. And oftentimes, binging will come in a situation where you're out with your friends or family and you're in a public situation and you don't eat or you eat very little because you know you're going to binge later. So oftentimes, you won't eat, you won't eat, you won't eat. Then you go home and you're alone and you do it all by yourself. And it happens really, really fast. So number one, if you're out in public, eat. That will right. often subdue the urge to binge later on. And then number two, when you're at home, wait 20 minutes. If after 20 minutes you still want to, go for it. But if after 20 minutes you decide you don't want to anymore, that's a huge win. Right.
0: I, that's such great advice. So how about you have your clients are from all over the world, from both male and female, or do you specialize in one or the other?
2: Yeah. So main, I mainly have about uh, 75% women. Uh, okay. There, I do have men as well, uh, but mainly women.
0: Okay. So what would you say to moms and dads out there that are desperately wanting to get fit, but they're exhausted between all of the responsibilities that they have in life between work and kids and sleep? <laughs>
2: I will tell you, I don't have personal experience being a mom, uh, so, <laughs> so I can't say that I know what it's like to to have kids and to be so busy. And and I, I mean, coming from a, my mom is a single mother. She raised two kids. She worked numerous jobs. Like I saw firsthand how difficult it is, and I speak to her now about it, and I have many, many clients who do the same. Um, I will say... I've had women clients who were single mothers who worked two full-time jobs and who had very, very little money and they still wanted to make sure they could pay for coaching and also get their workouts in. Um, I would say it is the first and foremost thing is it's really, really hard and like nobody can take that from you. It's really, really difficult. That being said, do you want to use that as a justification for not mm-hmm. doing it? And that's really where you have to, where do you find, where do you draw the line? It is, you have it harder. It is more difficult for you. You have yeah. less time, you have less energy, less money, all this stuff. Yes. Harder, 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 harder. Now what? So from here, we have to say, do you still want to make a change or not? If you don't want to make a change, then that's your prerogative. You're an adult. You make your own decision. If you want to make a change, I think the best thing that you need to know is that two things. Number one, it's still going to be very difficult, and the hardest part is just getting started. But number two is you don't need an hour, two hours at the gym in order to make progress. I think the most underrated form of exercise that has the the best results of all is walking. And, and I don't say that for like, for, I'm not laughing. I mean it, I'm very much mean walking is the most underrated form of exercise. It's the most underrated, uh, not only from physical perspective, but mental, psychological, emotional, The, the benefits of walking on a cellular level. I've always said, if people actually read the research around the benefits of walking an extra 20 minutes a day, everyone would do it because you would just see how massively beneficial it is on a cellular level. It's insane. So if all you can do is an extra five, 10, 15, 20 minutes of walking, you're doing something positive, which is amazing. On top of that, if you wanted to do at home body weight workouts, if you wanted, I mean, that's very much available and they're all over the internet for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, but doing that stuff is, it doesn't have to be all at once. If it's a 30 minute workout, you could do it in 10 minute intervals where whenever you want, whenever you have the time, it's, it's really not about finding the optimal program too many people Mm -hmm. are looking for like the optimal, like the best. Everyone wants to train like an Olympic athlete when it's like, you haven't worked out since high school. What are you doing? (laughs) Start walking for five, 10 minutes a day. And that's plenty to start with.
0: Yeah. And I also find that like, you know, what you just touched on, it's 2020. Like, of course, we're still finding new things within the fitness industry and exercise science. But pretty much for the most part, you know, no one's reinventing the wheel. You know, like we kind of have it all. I don't want to say we have it all figured out. But, you know, a lot of people I find program hop, you know, because they're like, oh, these workouts aren't doing it for me anymore. And I feel like that is such a like soul sucker for your fitness journey because it just is keeping you in that cycle of always feeling like you need something different, something new, something exciting, just, you know, what do you say to those clients that you feel like are getting a little antsy and they want to do something different? And how do you approach your programming?
2: Yes, it's a wonderful question. The I, I remember the first time I ever stuck to a program for the entirety of the program. Mm-hmm. I, was, uh, I was 18 years old and I hired a coach in Sweden. His name is Martin Birkin. And um, he put me on a 12-week program and it was the first time I ever stuck to a program start to finish from day one to day 90, nutrition and training. And that changed my life forever. It was three days a week strength training and it was just very basic. It was 1,500 calories on my low days, 1,900 calories on my high days. That's it. And I remember emailing him back and being like, this, this is it, this is all you're giving me? Mm-hmm. And he was like, shut up and do it.
0: <laughs>
2: and I did it and my results were astronomical. I got leaner than I'd ever been, I got stronger than I'd ever been, and I remember Probably on like 86, 87, look at myself in the mirror being like, it's just consistency. Yeah. Like this is all it is.
0: And progressive overload.
2: That's it. It's yeah. all it is. And most people, so we talk about progressive overload being so important, but like you were saying, so many people program hop, so they never have yeah. the opportunity pr- to right. track their progressive overload. So pick a program and stick with it. And the way that I structure mine is usually people get a new program every month. So you get a, one program for four weeks. It's three days a week or four days a week. You do it every week, you track your progress, you try and lift more, you try and use better technique, you try and beat your rest period time, you try to get better as often as you can, and then you get a new program, which is specifically designed to build off of the last one and keep going and keep going. And then in a year, you've only gone through 12 different workouts. But mm-hmm. that's that's how you progress. And if you yeah. really want to train like a high-level athlete, that's what they do. They're not mm-hmm. doing random workouts that they got on Instagram. Like they're following well-designed right. programs.
0: For those listening, I want you to really think about what he just said. 12 different workouts in the year. Like that's not a lot of variety. And I mean, I'm sure, you know, like you're programming them to, you know, keep them stimulated. And, you know, but it's not about doing – one type of exercise ten million different ways, and I feel like for those of us that are more science based, we almost have to work at a disadvantage to combat what people see on instagram you know the <laughs> yeah. in, in in and I don't want to say that I'm not you know like. I could maybe, I don't want to say I'm guilty because it's never something I would do intentionally, but I want to capture the people that want exciting workouts, you know, and then when they do come into my programs or my brands, then they learn, you know, like, okay, this is what it actually takes to see progress, you know, but it's just, it's so hard these days with everything that you see on Instagram and people talking about, oh, these flat belly exercises, you know, and I feel like just education is just, you know, one big piece, but so many people don't want to listen. They just want to be told that those, you know, whatever, arm lifts are going (laughs) to, you know, bust arm fat. And it's just, it's, I am sure you can relate, but it's, it's hard as a personal trainer to really break through that and get someone to, to trust the programs. Do you have any experience or anything that you've found is like the way to break through all that noise?
2: Honestly, it, (laughs) I wish I had the answer to that one. Um, It's really just, I I literally just got a a DM either this morning or yesterday. I forget. They blend together. I got a DM from someone being like, I've followed you for two years and I'm finally ready to start taking your advice. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks volumes for what we're doing as coaches. I think, and this is why I repeat myself so often in my, in my content, because just because someone sees your content once doesn't mean all of a sudden they're going to believe you. And it doesn't mean they're going to be in a place or time in their life in which they're ready to make a change, which is why if you really want to make the best content and impact those people, you have to understand you're going to repeat yourself over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again. I mean, if she's followed me for two years, she's heard me say calorie deficit literally thousands of right. times. Mm-hmm. And it finally, something happened in the last couple of days where it clicked and she's ready to start doing it. And it's, it's where it, I think if we try and come at it from a combative perspective, we're not going to help anyone. If we just stay calm and continue to share our knowledge and help people, it's the difference between trying to tear the other people down versus just build our own tower up type thing. It's that Gary always talks about. Don't spend your time trying to tear the other people down. Just keep building your building as high as you possibly can. And eventually, people will trust you more and trust you more and they'll find you. And through that, you'll get more and more people trusting you, believing you, and following what you're saying.
0: And I love what you touched on that maybe they weren't in the right moment in their life because that's even something for me personally. Like I started my fitness journey when I was 22, 23. You could have told me... Anything and everything, you could have promised me that I would drop, you know, 20 pounds in a week. I wouldn't have cared. I didn't <laughs> care. I didn't care about working out or eating healthy. I wasn't in the right mind space. And I feel like that's something that is so important as like personal trainers, but also for the, you know, people listening to know that like it's okay to like not always be in the mindset where you're ready to crush it every single day or like you know be so on top of things like we go through different periods of times in our life like you start from like not caring at all then you learn a little bit and then you're like dang it I wish I wouldn't have learned that (laughs) now I have to like you know like put it into practice I feel that way sometimes I'm like oh how great would it be to go back to my 21 year old self that didn't know (laughs) you know anything about this but um so yeah I think it's just so important to recognize that not everyone is in that space and like you said that's great advice that I need to take of just be okay with repeating yourself. Cause I feel sometimes like I'm a broken wreck and I'm like, ah, oh, my OG girls are probably so tired of hearing this, but you know, since everyone goes through those ups and downs, you know, sometimes they might need a reminder themselves. So, um, do you feel like there's, I feel like we just touched on this in a million different ways, but do you feel like there's contradicting information through social media or do you feel like we've gotten to the point where kind of the right information is out there?
2: No, it, there's <laughs> like it's people will screenshot my post, and as they're scrolling, the next post will literally completely contradict everything I'm saying, and that it goes to show like one of my favorite sayings that my buddy Pat said to me years ago. He was like, "Our job isn't to start fires, it's to put fires out," mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, that was a perfect example of where like people will screenshot like I'll say calorie deficit, and then the person below me will say like calories don't matter, and so there. It's interesting, when I got in the industry in like 2000, we'll call it 2010, like when I really started being a a, a really better coach, um, there was a lack of information in terms of it was hard for people to find it uh, and it was harder than it was today. Um, Now there's an abundance of information. And so when there was a lack of information, people just didn't know what to do. But now people don't know who to believe. And that's really like the major difference in times. So there's so much mis, uh, so much misinformation, and so much contradictory information. People aren't sure who to believe. So then they'll do keto for a week, and mm-hmm. then they'll do they'll go vegan because they saw Game Changers, and then they'll do whatever they'll do whatever it is, and they'll try everything for like three days, a week, a month, whatever it is. And as soon as it like looks like it's not working anymore, they go to something else, where it's like everything works as long as you can sustain it and it makes you healthier and happier. That's really it. But the first part of it, the the sustainability part, that's the part that most people overlook where it's like, oh, I'm going to go to this juice cleanse for 21 days. It's like, but you've tried this 14 times before. Every time you've lost weight very, very quickly. And then thereafter you've gained it all back. So why in the hell do you think this is a good idea? Like, well, it worked really, really well. It's like, by whose definition of worked? You need to lengthen your time frame here, and instead of only looking at when you lost weight, look at when you regained it, and mm-hmm. re- you realize everything will work as long as you can sustain it. First and foremost. Yeah.
0: Some of my favorite transformations are not the ones where they lost 30 pounds in 6 months or whatever. It's when they come back a year later and they're like, "I'm still here. I'm still maintaining it." It's like that is the real prize, you know? Like 100%. of course it's great. It's a huge milestone to get that first, you know, step of progress, but to be able to maintain it, like that that's really what it should be all about. Unfortunately, social media, you know, doesn't <laughs> really, you know, allow us to kind of show that part. Um, but yeah one quick question. So you talk about coffee a lot. So where did your love of coffee come from? And if you have a particular favorite brand,
2: um, my love of coffee probably started from a very unhealthy relationship from high school wrestling, (laughs) uh, using it as a stimulant and to blunt my hunger when I was cutting an obscene amount of weight. Um, but, over the years, especially when I went to israel and and around Europe, like I really like they have great coffee over there. and I yeah. and they, it's, it's it's a part of the part culture. Of, yeah, yeah, it's a huge part of the culture. And uh, I love Turkish coffee. It's probably my my favorite kind of coffee is probably Turkish coffee. And uh, it's very quick, relatively easy to make, but it's like very, very strong coffee. And uh, I would I probably liken it to the Middle Eastern version of an espresso. Um, I like it a lot. So it's, I like the how coffee brings people together. You have great conversations with people. And uh, yeah, that's basically it.
0: All right, Jordan. So what is next for you?
2: Well, I'm doing another experiment right now, which is just absolutely awful. <gasps> um, I'm doing something – have you heard of the carnivore diet?
0: Uh, yes, I have.
2: Yeah, so I'm doing an experiment like that. I'm doing – with oh, a carnivore experiment. Okay. Um, so really- is that
0: just eating meat like <laughs> –
2: So basically, um, the foods that you are allowed to eat on the carnivore diet are uh, meats like steak, chicken, turkey, you can have a lot of organ meats, they're big fans of organ meats because they say they're really packed with vitamins and minerals. Um, You can have eggs, you can have all fish, salmon, tuna, all that stuff, Um, and bacon, basically just a bunch of meat, and like no fruits, no vegetables none of like no beans, like no, like literally no fruits they take, or
0: vegetables.
2: No, it's crazy. Oh
0: My goodness.
2: It basically just flies in the face of what everyone has known is super healthy for you all along. Right. Um, but I've been getting a lot of questions about it. And, um, for me, I've, I've never done it. I know what the research says about it, but I've always found people will trust you more. If you have experience with something versus if you just Say, ah no, it's not good. So I'm going through, I'm on day eight. Today's day eight of the carnivore challenge. Is it 30 days? It's no. So <laughs> I, I didn't want to do 30 days of this. Okay. I, I didn't want to do 30 days. So am what okay. I did is I'm doing 14 days of okay. eating carnivore. And there's a lot of people who've done this on YouTube. A lot of people have documented their experience, but nobody has documented what happens afterward. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to document the whole experience of going carnivore for 14 days and then document the full week afterward of what happens when I reintroduce my normal diet back into it. So I'm going to show people what happens to my weight. Uh, I, I dropped like, I dropped four pounds in the first week just from losing water, it wasn't fat, it was just losing a bunch of water. Um, so I'm gonna show people what happens with my weight, I'm gonna show people what happens with my digestion, with my energy, my mood, my performance in the gym, tracking my blood pressure, a whole bunch of variables along with this so that I can show people this is what you can expect if you decide to do it. And my whole purpose isn't to say carnivore is bad, Like. If you want to do it, by all means, go for it. Who the hell am I to tell you not to do something? But all I want to do is show people my true real life experience so you can make the decision for yourself.
0: Amazing. I love how you throw yourselves into these experiments for <laughs> your community. I think that's really unique, I, I, I would say, in the fitness industry anyways. So, Jordan, for those that are listening, if they're struggling getting started, what would be your number one piece of advice of go do this?
2: I would say, if you're struggling to get started with anything, start with start with walking. Just start walking five minutes a day. Just do something, and it, it, it's cliche and it's hippy dippy and people laugh, but something is always better than nothing. And oftentimes, here when you think about it. If you look at the model of motivation, a lot of people, they want to get motivated. And they always ask, I'm sure people ask you all the time, how do I get motivated? How do I get motivated? And I always get a little bit annoyed when people ask, not because I'm annoyed at the person, but because they're going about it the wrong way. You don't just all of a sudden get motivated. In order to get motivated, you first have to take action. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of scientific models that explain this. First, you take action from that action, you see results. And from those results, then you get motivated. And then from that motivation, you take more action. So if you really want to do something, and the reason that I say I'm such a big advocate of walking for five minutes is because now you're starting. Now you're building a little bit of self-efficacy. You're believing in yourself a little bit more. You get those results. You get more motivated. Then you want to take more action. Maybe you start doing push-ups. Maybe you start doing bodyweight squats. Maybe you start buying more fruits and vegetables, whatever it is. Just do something because only from doing something can you achieve anything.
0: Amazing. And anyone can walk for five minutes. Walk around the house, right? If it's snowing outside, it's something that pretty much anyone can do, right?
2: Yeah, it's funny. One of my favorite podcasts I ever did. I did a podcast uh, with a guy who works with uh, truckers, with like pick, uh, like trucker. They drive trucks for a living. They drive for Mm -hmm. like twenty four hours at a time, thirty six hours at a time. And one of the things they have the truckers do in order to help get more steps in is they walk around their truck. Like I think it's like thirty something times as a mile or something. So it's like, whatever, if you want to walk around your house, like say, all right, I'm going to walk around my house once or twice. uh, I think by one simple way to make it seem less daunting is if you say, I'm going to walk around my house, the perimeter of my house once, that's oftentimes less daunting than saying, I'm going to go walk for 20 minutes. Cause it's just the number, right? The one time around seems less daunting than the 20 minute number. So figuring out these small little ways to make it seem more doable is super, super helpful.
0: Yeah. Amazing. I think everyone should follow you ever like you are someone that I trust above many people in the industry. So let everyone know where they can find you and follow
2: you. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) And the feeling is mutual. Uh, So my YouTube is Jordan Syatt, J-O-R-D-A-N-S-Y-A-T-T. I have my own podcast, the Jordan Syatt mini podcast. If you just Google my name, you'll find all of it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much, Jordan. This was amazing. And we will talk again soon.
2: Thank you. Have a good one.
0: So that was my conversation with the amazing Jordan Syatt. I cannot believe he is doing a carnivore challenge right now. Yeah, after he said, the Big no.
1: Mac challenge. Yeah,
0: I mean, well, he did that Big Mac challenge, like what, a few months ago. Now the carnivore challenge.
1: I mean, it takes guts to go, you yeah. know, you have, you know get into a new challenge every time.
0: Yeah, and to be that dedicated to I mean it can't like he said no veggies like not saying I love veggies but like I just can't imagine how bad that would be on your system you know but unfortunately like in the fitness industry these like fad diets come about and they tend to be really extreme and I seriously commend him for giving them a shot but I just hope that anyone listening knows that that would never be something that like we would recommend like only eating meat not eating veggies like that's really unrealistic.
1: And I think you guys were really clear on the objective of these challenges. Yeah. What what's the message behind all these th- challenges? Yeah. And by the way, he was able to deadlift four five times his five body time, weight. Yeah. Respect. I mean, that's <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> yeah.
0: I know your head shot over it when he said that. You were like,
1: "What?" Yeah.
0: And the Big Mac challenge like Like he mentioned, like his goal was not to say, go eat a Big Mac every day, or this is what you should be doing. But it really was just to drive home like, hey, that one piece of pizza or that one Big Mac is not going to derail your progress. I mean, it really does come down to in terms of fat loss, not in terms of health. It comes down to your caloric intake and being in a caloric deficit. And just in case... There's someone here that is like, what's a caloric deficit? So that means eating 500 calories less than what your body needs a day. So that's pretty much what he did. He just was sure to be in a 500 caloric deficit. He lost seven pounds by eating a Big Mac. Again, not advocating for eating McDonald's every day, but hey, if you want to have it here and there, it's not going to hurt your physical progress. But of course, like you want to be conscious of what you are eating in terms of how it's making you feel. It comes down
1: to what you tell me every day, balance, the right. 80-20 approach. 80-20,
0: yeah. that is where it's at. I seriously feel like that's what saved me on my journey. And so many of you girls I know have reached out to me. So, you know, eat healthy 80% of the time, whole natural foods. The other 20% go wild. <laughs> Enjoy the cake and the pizza and whatever you want. Because that 20%, that is tied to your mental and emotional well-being. That is where you're able to live life and not feel restricted and like you're a slave to eating healthy because that's not healthy either. You know, it's about not going to either extreme. So, yeah,
1: I mean, I, I don't think I would be able to go without pizza or pasta. So. No.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're Italian, but likewise, I mean, it's why I married you. Just yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> And that is it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to share with a friend, spread the word and help us grow our tribe. Please rate and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes each week. You can also follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group, both under the same name, Your Best Life Podcast, to keep the conversation going. You can also send me an email at yourbestlifepodcast at gmail.com and you just might be featured in a future episode. Your Best Life is a Gallery Media Group original production.